Good evening from Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with episode 469 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for June 4th, 2017. Uh, this show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. This week, Geek Squad might be stealing more than just your money. Facebook might be struggling with, a, with what an album is. Tongue twisters. And YouTube might have a temporary solution to their advertising issues. Wherever you are and however you're joining us, whether it be on Facebook, <laughs> iTunes, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the Google Play Music Podcast on Android, the myriad of other podcatchers on all three platforms, our homes on live stream or Facebook Live, and of course, uh, on our apps, plughitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us part of your day. There's a couple ways that you can join us. You can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. From there, you can join us on uh, either live stream or Facebook Live. And one of the cool things about joining us live is that you can chat with us here in the studio as we talk about topics. Uh, it's something that Avro and I really enjoy. We always like to get... Uh, feedback as we talk about our topics, so please feel free to join us in the live stream chat room for that. Um, if you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can subscribe to this and all of our other shows by going to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you will see all of our series, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, which as you can see is back this week. Very exciting. Um, our special events feed, which right now we are publishing a lot of coverage from Collision Conference 2017 in New Orleans. Uh, our first look show, which is coming back, Unboxed, which has some new episodes coming as soon as Collision is done, and uh, our other series there as well. Um, I think that right now is our spiel. I guess I will say, um, if you're joining us uh, for the beginning of the show, if you're live uh, or if you're recorded, um, we will not be on next week because uh, a bunch of us will be at a uh, fundraiser event for uh, a charity started after the Pulse shootings last year. So uh, we will not be on the air next week, but we will be the week after, and it will be a bit of a special show because it will be our 10-year anniversary. We have been doing this show for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the show has changed over the years, but uh, yeah, 10 years. Technically, it's next week, but we'll enjoy all of that in two weeks. Funny, <laughs> you, should mention, funny you should mention it, because it's also my 10th wedding anniversary in two weeks. So. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't even on the show back then, but yeah, it was uh, That's true. It's June 17th. So. Okay. Yeah, wow. It's, and and coincidentally, this will be my uh, this this will be my tenth year uh, tenth year working as uh, editorial director for Laptop Mag and and uh, now Tom's Guide. So wow, it's been a big ten years. I was say <laughs> a lot of things started kind of all at the same time. It sounds like yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. I I legit did not know that uh, that it was your 
uh, 10th anniversary. That's cool. Congratulations, early. Thanks. We made it two weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, that was a big 2007 was a big year for me and obviously a big year for everybody. Yeah, so. sounds like it. And then we've got one other thing uh, for those who joined us last week or during CES or many of the other events that Alante uh, joins us for. Uh, today is Alante's 30th birthday. So happy birthday to Alante. <laughs> He's sitting here in the studio with us, uh, shaking his head he did, like, I can't believe you just he, did that. He doesn't look a day over 29. <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> I should have given you a microphone tonight. That would have been fun. Uh-oh. I don't know why I didn't. He's doing like that. Anyway, um, so obviously you weren't here last week. Because you were in Taipei. Was it a good show? Yeah, it was the best Computex I've ever been to. Well, that's good to yeah. hear. Yeah, I mean, this is my favorite show of the year, but this was objectively, the, like, not the best, not just the best because, oh, I had the best food or something like that. Sure. I mean, it was the best because there were several really important technologies that were unveiled at Computex. Obviously, lots of key products. It was a Huge show for laptops. Yeah. So uh, just a lot, a lot to say, a lot of ramifications of, of the things that were announced at Computex this year. As strange as it is, uh, I was excited about the uh, the new key switch that was announced because being able to get like real like digital pressure sensitivity off of each key is fascinating. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, w- I don't which, know which key switch you which key switch are you talking about? It's a fair question. I will try and have that answer for you in time for the because there because there, there were because there were a couple of things like uh, Cooler Master came out with something called memchanical switches that are actually feel like a like a uh, cherry blue switch, but are in fact uh, membranes membrane that membranes with springy feeling on top. I mean. Something with a springy feeling on top of a membrane in order to make it a little cheaper. Interesting. Um, uh, FlareTech Prism. Huh. I did not see that. So that's like a big piece of news that I didn't see at Computex. Well, oh, very cool. And that's why uh, the pilch point will be interesting because I always like going back and forth because you obviously get to spend time on the floor and then I have an RSS feed of stuff just constantly coming at me of stuff that, you know, there's always stuff that, that you don't get to see because you're a single human being exploring a very large show floor. I had, I had more help this year than usual though. So, um, yeah. Well, cool. We will get into the details of, uh, Computex during the pilch point in just a little bit. So if you are joining us live, um, definitely tell us in the chat room, uh, your uh, impressions, if you saw things online about Computex, definitely let us know some of the things that you enjoyed uh, seeing. And if it's things that Avram and or I are familiar with, we'll try and talk about it uh, during the pilch point. So definitely uh, the live stream chat room is the one I have up tonight. So that's going to be your best bet on uh, talking with us. So go there. And I guess with that, uh, let's talk about some stuff. 
This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. A whole range of Surface devices from the the new Surface Pro to the Surface Laptop, the uh, Surface Book, the Surface Studio, basically any hardware configuration to fit your needs available under the Surface line. But it's not just the Surface and the, the Microsoft branded products. There's HPs like what's in front of me. There's Dells and all kinds of stuff. Plus, it's not just computers. You can get um, AR and VR hardware, the developer kits from both Acer and HP for the Windows Holographic, which is not what they call it anymore, um, product line um, are available. Plus, uh, the Oculus and uh, HTC, I think, are both in there. There's all kinds of hardware and software, including Office 365 and all of that. Plus, of course, the Xbox One S. Uh, with some great deals right now, an extra $50 off, plus an additional free game. All of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, um, obviously in our primary gadget news, we will be talking about the actual news of gadgets during the pilch point. Uh, but for right now, let's talk about an interesting lawsuit that the um, Electronic Frontier Foundation has filed against the FBI in federal court as a uh, Freedom of Information Act suit. It involves information about the FBI's relationship with Best Buy, which on the surface might sound insane, but... I really hope the FBI isn't buying their laptops at Best Buy. That's all I'm going to say. Well, yeah, that would be the world's <laughs> worst way of using our uh, our tax, our tax money dollars. <laughs> I mean, also, they don't really sell much in the way of, like, secure business laptops at, Fair. Fair <laughs> at enough. Best Buy. So I really hope they're not buying, like, you know, Best Buy laptops going off the shelf. And, um, Blue and- Shirt recommends this one for this <laughs> This one for special agents. Uh, <laughs> this this one's perfect for covert ops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, in fact, uh, it's the Geek Squad uh, that the FBI may be involved with. And here is what happened. Uh, there was an arrest made last year in California um, of a doctor who was accused of having... Uh, child pornography on his computer which not a great scenario but let's put that bit aside and talk about the fact that the FBI uh, knew this despite the fact that uh, outside of himself nobody had ever touched the computer except for Best Buy so um, that he had sent it he'd given it to, to the Geek Squad they sent it off to a repair facility in Louisville Kentucky and when it came back, he was uh, arrested. So here's the thing. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, the Constitution prevents law enforcement from uh, searching a- anything without a warrant or, pr- certain, or probable a certain probable cause, right? Um, but what a private citizen does is not subject to that. Uh, however, if that private citizen 
is working in conjunction with law enforcement, they then become, uh, they can do the search, but it's not admissible in court. So, um, that's where we are. Well, do we know, so do we know that Best Buy is, I guess working with the FBI is such a broad term, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Now, I think we're both old enough to remember when people used to develop photos at photo labs mm-hmm. and they didn't have digital, right? Mm-hmm. And they're... And it used, and there were, I believe, was like a rule or law or at least policy in place that if you, you know, submitted something to, you know, Photomat um, kids, that was a place that all they did was develop photos. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you, you know, if you, if you, if you, you know, if you turned in your your film to be developed, the development place, and they saw um something illegal taking place in one of the photos they had to report it. Yes. So I'm not really sure how this is any different. And, I mean and and that's the thing. Um it may not be, which is why the EFF is uh is using uh Freedom of Information Act request um to try and find out what the scenario is because Best Buy says as a company we have not sought or received training from law enforcement and how to search uh, our policies prohibit employees from doing anything other than what is necessary to solve the customer's problem however um, uh, if if it's found they have a legal and moral responsibility to report it to the proper authorities so the question that the EFF is asking is, was this a case of a Best Buy employee on a computer and the the per, the employee found content on said computer by happenstance or officially or unofficially uh, was this employee working directly with the FBI? The EFF is not saying that they have necessary proof that there's any training or anything like that just that they're subpoenaing information to find out if that's the case because obviously the eff is always worried about government overreach that's kind of their job so um i mean this is you know this is good stuff i guess to have in a functioning democracy you have people who are trying to make sure that the government is not going too far in terms of searches and seizures yep at the same time, it's not surprising to me that uh, a company such as uh, a company that services your computer, like, in fact, if they see it and they don't report it, I think that puts them in a worse position yeah. legally than if they do. Like, that kind of means that they're allowing it to happen or something. So, yep. you know, see something, I can't believe, see something, yeah, say something, right? I can't believe this is the first time that this has ever happened. Uh, that someone has put in a computer that had illicit stuff on it and that they've reported it. Uh, I'm sure it happens from time to time. I mean, you would think that people who have illicit stuff on their computer would be smart enough to erase it before submitting it to Best Buy. You would think um, so, wouldn't you? You know, or, or any service center. Like, you know, let's put it this way. Whether you have illicit stuff like this, which... You know, in a way, it's good because, you know, this is a terrible thing this person was doing. So I'm glad they got caught. Yes. But, um, but you know, it could be something else that, like, is legit 
legitimately private, like right. not illegal, but legitimately private information. You shouldn't have that on there when you send your computer in for service. Like I, one time I had to send my computer in my laptop in for service, mm-hmm. you know, like I erased all my, all my documents off yeah. of there. I went through my browsers and I purged the accounts and whatever. And, you know, you just don't want to put your computer in someone else's hands right. or your phone in someone else's hands uh, if it's got your private stuff on it, whether those are photos or maybe it's it could be business information. Absolutely. It could be the PowerPoint presentation yeah. with your quarterly results and your boss would not be very happy to know that uh, the blue shirt at Best Buy got that information. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's not it's not necessarily all about illicit stuff it's privacy uh but you're a fool if you submit if you give your computer over for service and you haven't erased all this stuff yeah i uh uh long time viewers of the show will remember that before the computer that you were currently running on you used to run on an hp laptop and that hp laptop had to go in for service a couple of times and uh we specifically bought the computer with two hard drive bays in it so that one could be just system and one could be data. So all we had to do was pop that data drive out and then send it off. So there was nothing of any proprietary nature on the Windows drive. Then you get it back, you put your data drive back in, and you move on. That's pretty That's pretty slick. But, uh, <laughs> you know, with, with cloud storage these days, oh, yeah. it's not... It's not too bad. You know, you might have all your really important data backed up in the cloud. Then you've got to delete it from the hard drive and re-download it again when you get it back. But, uh, which, by but, the way, yeah. which, by the way, we're not talking about on this show, but I think you could very well have a long conversation about if the alleged, the proposed laptop ban goes into place, is that what you're going to want to do before you, um, yeah. you know, take your laptop on a flight? Because you don't, you don't want... Uh, whoever it is, the TSA or, uh, you know, who uh, the flight, the airline, whoever uh-huh. ha- gets to handle your laptop, uh, maybe getting their hands on that data. So, yep. you know, there's there, if you give your laptop over to somebody for sir, your computer or your any device over to someone for service, delete everything. Yeah. If you're leaving anything of any value on there, then it's it's on you now, of course. This could be a catch-22 because, like, what happens if the problem is that you can't log into your computer or boot it up to get there to erase the stuff? Then I'm not sure what you do. And that Don't have right, it on there. And that right there is why I have all of my had all of my data on that HP on a secondary drive. Right, because what? Because if you can't boot, then you know, then what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Yep, exactly. Uh, so, it, so I, this will be an interesting story to follow. Um, obviously. Uh, following things from the EFF can be um, wonderful or annoying because they can be a bizarre organization sometimes. But you know they they fought at their own cost the uh, the uh, the patent infringement case against Adam Carolla and uh, all podcasters. So you know they they can be bizarre, but they can be incredibly helpful to the tech space too. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Uh, my guess is once they get the information, it'll be a while uh, before they're able to uh, break it down and actually get <laughs> useful information. Cause you know, if 
if the request goes through, there is going to be a data dump from the FBI to try and uh, bury anything if there is anything to bury. So it could be a while before we know anything. But as we find out new information, we will definitely be uh, following up on this story as we tend to do on the odd stories like this one. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head, the Monster Elements, available in on-ear and full over-ear. Um, also, a whole variety of other styles of headsets, from in-ear uh, to sports styles, waterproof, Bluetooth and corded, to Bluetooth speakers ranging from the tiny hotshot to the giant monster blaster, and of course, all of the cables to connect them and your home entertainment and computer systems are available by going to f5live.tv slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram, you're back. Yes, I'm excited. It's so I'm good to have you back. It's good to be back, but it was good to be there. Yes. Computex was awesome this year. I love going to Computex Taipei. It's my favorite tech show of the year because I love going to Taiwan and because it's just always a really exciting PC show, particularly to be in the place where so much of the PC, so much of the PC industry uh, is located and so much, I wouldn't say so much manufacturing takes place because that's really on mainland China, but so much of the development takes place. So, uh, you know, obviously a big show for the major Taiwanese manufacturers like MSI and Asus um, and Gigabyte and Acer were there too. Um, but uh, also just a big show for new technologies. We always see lots of products this show was very much a laptop show. There was a lot of laptop, new laptops introduced, and there were a lot of, and there were a couple of really, really important new laptop technologies introduced. So one of them, uh, one of them, one of them was um, the new, and I'm the most excited about this was new the new Windows on ARM initiative. Uh huh. Um, so Qualcomm for the first, well. Should I say for the first time? Yeah, for the first time with Windows 10, Qualcomm, uh, which makes the Snapdragon chips, and Microsoft announced that they are working together to, to come out with something called the Always Connected PC, uh, and it is going to run full Windows 10, running every Windows 10 app, Win32 apps, uh, etc., on a Snapdragon 835 chip. Uh, and these new generation of laptops are going to have uh, a really strong connected standby, long battery life. They're going to be really thin and light because Snapdragon is like a third. The motherboard is like a third the size of an Intel uh, motherboard. But, um, you know, we're going to start seeing those for the end of the year. And it's going to be fascinating to see how is the performance going to be? Mm -hmm. How is the battery life going to be? Is this going to be another, you know, Windows RT type of situation? Well, the answer is probably no, because it can run all the apps. Right. Um, although apparently I, I read I can't read, uh, do 64-bit Win32 apps. 
Um, well, anything, any uh, manufacturer or developer who's publishing uh, something in not any configuration mode would be insane. Yeah. So it's, you know, we'll, it'll, it remains to be seen how this is going to work out, but it's fascinating. We're going to get a whole new type of laptop to review. So that's going to be exciting to see, um, you know, whether this sort of falls more on the side, it's going to be a lot more expensive than Chromebooks, uh, we hear. So it's not going to be a competitor for Chromebooks. Plus it runs full windows, uh, but sort of who is going to gravitate toward it's going to be interesting uh, because NVIDIA, not NVIDIA, Qualcomm said that they're not really targeting business users at this point, maybe in the future, but they're targeting people who need to be connected all the time. Um, I think that applies to a lot of people, but it applies the most to people who are working. So, right. um, you know, it, it it's definitely going to be something where they're going to really try and upsell people to get LTE, to get their laptop with LTE. Um, but I think the bigger question is, how is having it on Snapdragon going to affect things like battery life and performance? And how is this always connected? Um, how is this, you know, constant connectivity going to work? We know right now that there is, um, you know, there's supposed to be some level of, um, you know, connected, uh, what do you call it, when you're connected while asleep, um, is supposed to be built into Windows now to an extent, but it doesn't right. really, I've never had that work. I've never had it where you put your computer asleep and then you wake up and your email is like been completely, Outlook still been downloading while, while it was asleep. Right. Like, like that doesn't happen. So I guess the question is, are they going to make that any more um, functional uh with these new chips or are they just going to do more of the same? Cause obviously I think the Holy grail is you're uploading a video. I mean, you must have had this experience a million times. You're uploading a video on your laptop. You go to get into a cab or something. You got, you close your computer to go to sleep. You put it in your bag. Well, your video will just stop. So we'll uh-huh. keep uploading and probably won't even resume uploading from where it was. Yeah. So like, how do you, how does it manage big uploads and downloads and things like that? Can yeah. it, can it do that while while it's quote unquote asleep like your phone can? Right. Um, that's what you know. That's what I'd like to see. So, well, um, you know, considering uh, considering Windows 10 has has the Windows One core, uh, it's always possible that the the behavior would be have some sort of like hybrid capability between what we know as traditional Windows 10 and then what we know here on the laptop that I'm using, which is Windows 10 and Continuum, you know, a phone behavior running the same core as regular Windows 10, there's always the possibility that uh, that somewhere in there, there could be a middle ground specifically for ARM. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd really like to, to see that because, I mean, one of the things Qualcomm was touting was you, people want their laptop to behave more like their phone, wake up from sleep quickly, continue to download and upload things while it's asleep, um, you know, have really long standby times. Um, honestly, I don't think standby times on laptops are that much of a weakness right now. You you know, even on my laptop, I'm getting days and days of standby with very little um, battery drainage. So I think the real question is what can it do when it's in standby? Right. Um, so that's obviously yeah, what, very exciting. Like what 
what does standby mean on these new machines? We know what it means today, and it's not yeah. ideal. <laughs> will we will we see a different behavior on standby? Yeah, like, we like inter- what Qualcomm is talking about. Yeah, we interviewed a Microsoft exec who said this is just going to take better advantage of connected standby, like for better battery life. So I'm not really sure if we're going to get added functionality. I hope that we will. The other really big technology that was announced is NVIDIA Max-Q. And that is an initiative to make uh, laptops with discrete video cards, with high-end discrete video cards, like NVIDIA GTX 1080, which is the highest you know, 1080 and 1080 Ti, mm-hmm. uh, to make the them thinner and lighter and quieter. Um, so we saw a number of, like, about five new laptops that came out that use Max-Q, uh, t- you know, Max-Q design standards. It's really a design standard more than a technology, you know, more than a new technology. It's an initiative, sort of like Intel's Ultrabook initiative to make right. laptops thinner and lighter, well, to make gaming laptops thinner and lighter. Uh, and we saw, you now obviously there's somewhat of a performance trade-off. They end up, I think, throttling the GPU a bit to get there. Um, but we saw some really impressive laptops based on it, like the Asus ROG Zephyrus. Yes. An absolutely beautiful laptop, which we named our best overall laptop of Computex. Uh, absolutely just beautiful-looking, thin, just crazy-looking keyboard, uh, beautiful laptop. Um so those were two really, really major technologies that rolled out. Um, obviously, a lot of other things we saw evolving, um, just more really thin and light uh, systems that were really nice and cheap, like, um, you know, unbelievable Acer's Spin 1, uh, 2-in-1. This is what you get for $329. You get a 1080p IPS display and a metal chassis. Wow. For $329. I mean, it's a Pentium, okay? You know, okay. it's not it's not it's not high performance, but you're getting an IPS panel and it looked really good. You know, uh, similarly Asus has their VivoBook 15S, which is a 15-inch notebook that weighs I think 3.2 pounds for 15 inches. Wow. And it's 499. So, you know, pre- that's previously getting up into like Dell XPS 15 territory, and it's lighter than the Dell XPS 15, which is 9.99. So, you know, things are getting lighter, they're getting smaller, they're getting more powerful. Um, that seems to happen every year, but we definitely saw some really big leaps forward there. Um, but yeah, what's I was really say that that doesn't sound iterative. That sounds like like a leap. I mean, the ZenBook Flip. Uh, Flip S is another one where it's the lightest, it's the thinnest two-in-one at uh, 0.42 inches thick. Um, you know, super duper thin um, two-in-one. Now, at a certain point, it's diminishing returns. Like, do you really need it that thin? Um, but it's, you know, it's certainly, they're pushing the envelope. Asus had a fantastic show. They introduced a lot of stuff. MSI uh, blew our minds with their GT75 uh, Titan, which has 12, up to 12 different heat, uh, different heat pipes to keep it cool so that it can give you maximum performance when you have your 1080 in SLI uh, with it. So these things just are, are pushing and pushing the envelope in terms of both performance and um, 
you know, thin and light. Well, not the Titan. That's pretty thick. But, you know, you, you're we're pushing the performance on both ends. It's it's pretty impressive to see. Uh, and we're, the, the good couple of trends that we're seeing are more laptops that are trying to hit a color mark rather than just be a certain resolution. Like we're seeing more companies talk about and color gamut and uh, IPS and, and wider color range. So you're not just getting dull colors. Uh, and uh, I, we saw a couple more companies uh, trying to go into the graphics amp space. Uh, which is a very welcome thing because we could use more uh, competition and innovation and people making external graphics, you know, allowing you to to live the the mobile dream of having like a super thin laptop. And then you could come to your desk, you could take your Thunderbolt 3 connection, you connect it to a graphics amp where you're running like the, you know, high end graphics card like an NVIDIA 1080. And, uh, you know, you can do VR and you can do whatever you want. Then you pick up your laptop and you stick on your lap and still two and a half pounds or whatever. So, um, you know, that th- those are all uh, pretty exciting things. Did you hear anything from Computex that you really thought was uh, interesting? Um, so obviously we've talked in the past. We've made sure to define interesting. Okay. Inter- interesting. It is- doesn't necessarily mean good. <laughs> right. Interesting. There's the... Uh, I can't think of the the name of it. Uh, it was it was described as a robotic selfie computer. Hmm. I think I missed that one. <laughs> Do you remember what that was called, Alante? I don't either. And for some reason, like, I'm not getting. I mean, selfie jokes. drones have been around. There have been a few selfie drones. We saw one at CES. We reviewed one. You know that'll follow that'll fly and follow you. It was not a big, as far as I could see, drone show. It was not a big robot show. Um, somewhat disappointingly, it was primarily like everywhere I went, it was PCs of various kinds. It was laptops, it was desktops, it was all-in-ones, and it was peripherals. Um, oh, oh, this was absolutely a PC case. <laughs> PC um, cases, there were some great mods. I'll, I'll see if we can put up the slideshow. I took some some pictures. There were some really, always near the thermal take booth, they have some type of competition, and they had some crazy-looking PCs, uh, PC cases over there. And, of course, you know, companies are really pushing the envelope of what you can do with a PC case. Yeah. I saw one, the Corsair, uh, I was at the Corsair suite, and they had a case, I forget what it was called, it was a concept. It was like, easily like three and a half four feet tall it weighed like well they hadn't weighed, i don't think they weighed it without stuff and it was at least 150 pounds Oof. and it had room in it for something like 34 case fans and two discrete computers <laughs> you could have so you could have that was not the noun i was expecting at the end of that sentence like discrete graphics cards or something yeah i was not you expecting know, computers. Has room for two discrete graphics cards that's nothing two discrete i could fit two discrete graphics cards in my back pocket no this <laughs> this thing this thing had room for two discrete motherboards power supplies and everything that goes with them uh and with separate power switches if you want so uh i asked the guy from Corsair, like, what are you going to do with that? And he said, it could be his and hers computers, or it could be your streaming box and your gaming box in the same uh, computer. 
Or think about it. It could be the it could be the computer that you have me on, and then the rest of the podcast. Well, that's a fascinating idea. You know, so yeah, I've never seen that where you have like two separate computers in one case. Mind you, if you had two different cases or three different cases, you could probably fit them inside of this case. So, <laughs> but not with dozens of computer fans. Yeah, I mean it's it's. It's crazy the extent that people will go. You kind of after a certain point of this modding that people are doing, it's like, do you even need to use a computer or just just look at it? Like, let's just look at it because the amount of effort that went into making it is probably more significant than the amount of effort you'll go into actually playing the playing the high end game or or whatever you want to do with it. But man, some of these things are real works of art. So so I found I, I found the computer that I was talking about. In fact. I found it on uh, your sister's site, Tom's Hardware. Um, the company is called InWin. Oh, InWin. I know InWin. And the computer is the WinBot. It is a giant sphere. And um, it's got it's got room for a crazy amount of, uh, of fans inside, too. But the thing that makes it weird is it's got binocular vision on the front. And it can actually, it'll rotate the sphere to follow a person. And you can give it gestures and stuff. I have absolutely no idea what the purpose of this is. I can't believe I missed this. This would have been like that. This would have been like a highlight of my show. That's awesome. <laughs> it is definitely bizarre. And they were using this obviously expensive computer because, you know, binocular vision and the ability to spin on its central axis um, to take pictures for, like, uh, uh, ID badges. <laughs> what? Why not? <laughs> Why not? And the pictures you know, it was taking weren't even great. <laughs> I, I must apologize to our listeners for not having seen this. <laughs> we do not. Uh, Tom's Hardware, who we're there with. Uh, goes and visits Inwin. We don't normally visit them because they're primarily a, a case company. Yeah. And we don't cover cases on Tom's Guide and Laptop. So I didn't... Ex but if I knew that there would have been a robotic selfie case there, I would have absolutely... I would have been there the first day. Um, it's one of the strangest sentences you've said in a while, right? It's yeah. So, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> they... they for, for those... Uh, for those listening and or watching, uh, Tom's Hardware has some some great pictures and a video on their website of the WinBot. So you will definitely want to go check that out because uh, it's it's bizarre. Wow. But bizarre Man. in a fun way. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing about Computex. It can be bizarre in a fun way. Yeah. So I, I so if you ever get the chance to come with us, you really should. It's uh, it's absolutely a blast. As is as is just visiting Taiwan because sure. there's a lot of neat stuff there. So, um, so a uh, great show, and I encourage everyone to go to laptopmag.com and tomsguide.com where you can see all of our Computex coverage, especially our best of Computex uh, rundowns, which we have one on each site, uh, to to show you what the absolute coolest things we saw there were because I haven't even mentioned half of them. Well, well, that's good because we want people to go see yeah. all the rest yeah. over on the website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Avram, as always, 
I love hearing about your experiences at Computex. Uh, did, before we move on, sometimes during Computex and around Computex, you have a bizarre story to tell. Did, <laughs> did, did anything out of the ordinary happen to you this year? Unfortunately not. Um, okay. I had a really lovely hotel. Uh, it was actually really clean and nice, and it had windows that looked out onto the actual actual earth. It did not. Uh, it did not. I did not end up with a hotel with a fake window in it like I did in previous years. We we talked about that with one of the uh, guests at Collision. Yeah. Sorry, not this. This uh, I I gotta tell everybody the best place to stay. I've stayed there a few years now, and they actually revamped it, so it's even better. It's called the Brother Hotel. Uh, it's nice and clean, and and they have real windows. I can't say it like a fancy view, but I have real windows. Uh, so so bully for them. So not know. like so not like Windows RT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't the Windows RT of, of where you can only see like one year. What Scott was talking about, I had a hotel room that had um, what do you call it? That had the um, a window box, a window box in it that looked like when you go to the Museum of Natural History and they have those like dioramas with stuff like saber tooth tigers or whatever. But the best, looked... but the best part was that the lights changed colors throughout the day to simulate right. the outside. <laughs> Right, so I thought that it was like a courtyard or something I was looking on, but actually it was just a light box, um, which is just weird. Like, why fake it? That no, this this was this was good. Nothing, nothing interesting like that happened. Uh, I did, uh, I did get to see an underground, like under a series of underground labyrinthian malls. So if you go there and you go to Tai uh, to the Taipei Main Subway Station. There's like just these constant pathways of these like underground full of stores. And we went through there one day and they just had like all these stores with Gashapon machines. And I just kept like trying to get a toy for my son. Um, you know what a Gashapon machine is? It's that thing I, I where you, you put in money and you get the little like egg out with something inside. Uh -huh. And it was just like they had stores that were nothing but those. And you had uh -huh. to get changed to like whatever. So that was... That was pretty neat, uh, but nothing, nothing, you know, bad. Nothing, nothing bad happened while I was there that I know That's of. That. Some weird dude came up to me in the in the press room and asked for my business card and then walked away. And I have no idea what he's going to do with my information. But other than that. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, so that's the weirdest thing that happened. Some I was in the press room. Some guy came up to me and he said, "I'm from a newspaper. Can I change business cards with you?" So I gave him the, my business card. He gave me his, which is I could not read. And um, that's even better. And I don't know if he works for a newspaper or not. And then he sure. walked away. I was like, "What are you gonna do?" Okay. So if you see me, if you see me, someone with my name writing all kinds of weird articles in Chinese, it could be him. I okay. don't know. Fair enough. I have no idea what he's doing with my business card, but Good any, enough. but any, but that's the only really thing I can I can count as weird that happened to me. Okay, so, so the important thing to note here is that uh, only, only content at a laptop mag and Tom's <laughs> guide with Abram's name on it is guaranteed official. Yeah, <laughs> if you see anything outside of that, 
it may or may not be because you guys do some syndication stuff. Yeah, we but... actually some of it's going to be on Tom's for this show. We share it with Tom's hardware as well. Gotcha. So, but, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, if you see it in Chinese, it definitely wasn't me. Yeah, okay. my Chinese is not that good. Um, <laughs> but it's okay. Is that what you're saying? No, I mean I, I. <laughs> I those of you who know me for a while know that I actually did take Chinese class for a while. So I, while I could never read and write, I, I actually can ask for a receipt, um, you know, for what that's worth and, that's tell, awesome. and tell the cab driver where to take me and stuff like that. That's, that's about the extent of it. That's better than I would do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you as always for, uh, for bringing us your Computex experience. Um, as we said at the beginning of the, of F5 live, we will not be on next week, but uh, we will we will be on in two. Cool. Excellent. All right. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All of the gaming accessories you could want, really, are available through Razer, whether it be the new uh, Lance Head wireless mouse or the Kraken Pro V2 headset or a light-up keyboard and or mouse pad. Or you're looking for VR stuff, or you're looking for apparel. All of that and more is available by going to f5live.tv slash razor. So, Nintendo has had an interesting quarter. They released their much-anticipated Nintendo Switch to much fanfare. Um, but also to uh, limited inventory. Most people who want one cannot get their hands on them. Uh, If you did not camp out uh, opening night, chances are you haven't gotten one yet. Um, If you do have one, though, one of the things that you probably have noticed is that the online experience is not uh, complete. And that's because the Nintendo Switch Online feature is coming soon, theoretically, supposed to launch this summer, but uh, sad story, no. Not how it's going to work. Nintendo announced this week both the price and the very delayed uh, availability of the Nintendo Switch Online service. First, let's talk price. It'll be $3.99 per month, $7.99 for three months, so basically buy two, get one free, or $19.99 for a full year, which is obviously way under the $48 that you'd be paying per month, you know, way less than half. So um, obviously one of those things where it's best to buy in bulk in this particular case. Um, But... Here's the thing. We won't be seeing the service actually launch until sometime in 2018. It's supposed to be out this summer. So all of those features that gamers have come to expect on a modern console um, that aren't yet available will still not be that 
for a while. Uh, the good news is that the features that are available don't cost yet and will not cost until 2018, and they will be rolling out the features into that currently free set until the official service launches piece by piece as they're, uh, as they're ready uh, for a little while. So that's, that's kind of nice. You'll get those features for free for another six, eight, who knows, 18 months, <laughs> however long it takes sometime in 2018 we don't even we don't have a month we don't have a quarter we don't have nothing so it did, did nintendo rush this thing to market you know but hmm i think the nintendo online service is being developed by the same people who are building bixby for samsung oh so nobody <laughs> But you know what? Here's I've had the same reaction to that. Like, so I, full disclosure, I bought a Galaxy S8. Mm-hmm. I really don't care about Bixby. Like, I wish fine. I could reprogram that button to fire up Cortana or something. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, it, it. So is you know, but for those who 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 really do care about having yet another digital assistant, like, is the phone not valuable without it? Right. I think I don't think anyone could argue that. So is the switch not valuable without without the online service? I don't think so. I think it's quite I mean people are buying it in droves and they're playing it. They're not buying it for the necessarily to just for the future promise of the online service. But there they're are buying it to play the titles that they want to play. But there are capabilities that uh people came to expect even on the Wii U for uh for say Mario Kart which just uh premiered uh, a special edition on the on the switch that aren't available because the switch's online service is not as built out as even the Wii U's online service, which is a terrifying sentence. So what is it that you would want to do on Mario Kart that you cannot now? Uh, um, uh, group chat, for example. You could look at the uh, now. Obviously, people who are spending good money on it probably want the group chat. Right. But there is a bright side to not having group chat. Indeed. Which is that you don't want young children on there. For so sure. So this yeah. way they can't. Um, you know, we had a, a weird situation with my son's PlayStation where he has a racing game that he likes called Mod Nation Racers. Mm-hmm. And, like, while you're rolling around there just trying to, like, do different stuff, like you can hear people chatting, which is like crazy. Like people will like, wait a second. I didn't want this. I just want my five year old to be able to play without like creeps there, you know? So, so for some of these things, you could actually argue that it's, that it's uh, a good security feature to not have the online chat. It's a a benefit. (laughs) It's a, it's a benefit. Sort of like windows 10 S not letting you install, not win 32 apps granted, and granted, with proper security settings, you could disable the online chat, I'm sure, and you could disable sure. non-Windows Store apps. Sure. So, um, but anyway, yes, it's it's obviously people are going to be um, disappointed that they can't do these things yet, but there's still lots of value that they're getting out of the system. Absolutely. So, you know, shouldn't and in general, people who have the system love it and use it. Um, in my experience, to a frightening extent, with um, 
my seeing them appear at a wedding. Oh, um, I <laughs> but, haven't seen that yet. But to, well, yeah, but... To, to be fair, the particular group that this was, it was to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the people at my office who have it uh, play it a lot. None of them is disappointed. I mean, look at the negative buzz that surrounded the Wii U almost from the moment it came out. It was from the moment it came out. I was saying negative things about it from the moment it was announced. Right. It was like a dead console walking or something. So, so the fact that it's gotten sort of the positive uh, press that it has and the positive, um, you know, regard that it has from from users, I think Nintendo has bought itself enough, itself enough goodwill for people to wait for the added features. Yeah. I I think they've gotten themselves out from under the, the Wii cloud. That was, you know, for both both generations. You know, the the first generation sold hardware decently, but never sold any games. And um, with the Switch, like we talked about, uh, what a month and a half ago, um, Nintendo had sold more copies of uh, Breath of the Wild than they had consoles. <laughs> so, you know, software sales even aren't a problem for them this time. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think without it, we're not we're not totally ruining the experience. It's not a worthless thing. Just like without Bixby, we're not the the Galaxy S eight and S eight plus aren't a disappointing piece of hardware. It is a disappointing button. But <laughs> yeah. there there is this odd, mostly worthless button on on my device, but you know, whatever. I I would like them to give me the ability to reprogram it, but that's a different issue. Anyway, yeah, um, I but it does feel like maybe Nintendo brought this thing to market a little faster than they intended to, because there was so much hype. They're like, you know what? They're, everybody's talking about this thing. Let's let's just do it and deal with it. Which I don't think is necessarily a problem because it seems to be working for them just fine. So. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Riff Tracks. Make fun of movies or, you know, let the professionals do it for you because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to Missile X, the neutron bomb incident. I swear to God, that's the name of the movie. There's obviously a little bit of everything. The way it works is for a couple bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, They also have short films, the industry films and things like that, that they um, actually make watchable. (laughs) And then from time to time, they do live events. Their next one is very soon. It is June 15th. It is the Summer Shorts Beach Party. It will feature... A number of uh, riff tracks, favorites, and of course um, some of the the secondary cast. Let's say, uh, including Pearl from MST3K. Uh, a number of the cast will be around to do this movie or the, these shorts. It'll be wonderful. It'll be in theaters nationwide. To find the theaters, to find out what shorts are available, or 
to uh, find out what movies have been riffed, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Oh, I'm actually... Uh, Mike is up on my screen right now, which is kind of weird. Anyway, um, yes. Make clothes. All right. Um, so Facebook made an interesting announcement this week in that... Uh, Photo albums are no longer just for uh, photos and video. In fact, you can now add text and check-ins and basically anything you can do on Facebook, you can now put in an album, which sure sounds like a Facebook story to me without the, uh, the timed evaporation of content. Um, at first, when I was writing this, I told Alante um, that... I kind of felt like I needed to, to skewer this a little bit. Um, but as, as I was writing, I started to realize that perhaps this feature is not for um, consumers. And maybe it's for you and me, Avram. What would we do with it? Well, you could use it on, uh, on your Facebook brand page for... Tom's Guide or Laptop Mag or for us, Plunkett's Live or F5 Live. You could create an album that's not ephemeral, right? And when you we'll talk about last week when you get to, to Computex, when you get to Taipei, you could uh, post a picture of the, the venue or even in the airport and people could literally follow along with Avram's journey or Avram's team's journey at Computex. Hmm. And then when you're done, as you post your article links, they could be included in said article or in said uh, album. Hmm. If you post any videos, including Facebook Live videos, you could put them in said album because the new addition, in, uh, in addition to the content you can put into albums, the other new addition to albums is that people can subscribe to said album and whenever you add new hmm. content can get notified. That's a good idea. So per actually, so perhaps this isn't for consumers. It's for you and me. Mm, yes, but I think also I think I think you're underestimating what or have, what a quote unquote consumer is because so many people have other people sort of follow them yeah that i think everybody is everybody now was andy warhol said everyone would have 15 minutes of fame in the future uh -huh. everybody's a publisher everybody's a you know an online star in their own little constellation sure. so so you know maybe maybe the album that people are following is a child is a baby you know uh-huh growing up or sure. a birth or whatever or a party or you know like it could a family reunion yeah, yeah there's so many things oh. that you could do with it a wedding that there's so many things that you could do with it that you know i i, I wouldn't just say that it's only good for people who are like professional sure journalists but as soon um, as as soon as i started to think about that as soon as i saw a value to it for you and i i started to see a value to it. Like I started to see where yeah. the idea comes from because you know, a uh, vacation, right? 
You could yeah. you could do a whole album about a vacation and check in to your hotel on Facebook and to restaurants and all of that and push them all into this into this album and your friends, family, or followers could get notified every time you add new content. Yeah, it's what this really calls attention to is the um, I don't know what the term is for it, the followed life that you that people lead now. I mean, it used to be. So we're talking earlier in the show about how this is my this uh, just is the 10th anniversary of the show. It's going to be uh, 10th, my 10th wedding anniversary. And my wife and I went, to, went on a honeymoon after we got married. And, you know, I don't think we talked to anybody, you know, when we were on the honeymoon. Sure. We didn't have smartphones. Um, we didn't, you know, I think when we got there, maybe we called our parents or like we didn't crash. Uh, and that, you know, and that was it. And we didn't. You know, we had a digital camera or whatever, but we didn't put pictures up of the honeymoon until after we got back. Sure. But today, even something that's kind of intimate, like you're, you know, like a honeymoon that somebody might be going on, they're probably going to be posting pictures throughout the whole, throughout the whole event. Yep. Hopefully not the whole event. Fair um, enough. <laughs> but, you know... They're going to be uh, put, putting up pictures and people are, are going to be reading it and like, yeah, I like it that you went to a restaurant and whatever. So, you know, you don't no experience that you have anymore is yours alone. Well, it could be. But, you know, like a lot of people are just sharing their experiences in real time. Yep. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It's it's kind of interesting to see how many people really cared that I got to go see uh, the Taipei 101, um, you know, the Taipei 101 ob- Observatory. Right. Uh, which, when I was on my trip, uh, that that's like the tall building in Taiwan, and it going to the observatory there is like going to the top of the uh, Freedom Tower or the okay. top of the Empire State Building. Got it. Um, you know, so, you know, I took and put up some pictures, whatever, and, you know, I like... 50 likes of my going up there and people commenting about it and it's like so you know if i really cared to like make make my trip like more interactive with my friends and family uh i could you know using one of these one of these uh using the followed album thing and you know how many things besides pictures and videos would you want to put in there i'm not sure um but but I guess, uh, you know, I guess your your trip can be a multimedia experience. <laughs> Woo! In 2017, everyone can be a Kardashian. Oh, that. They can be, but they don't have to be, right? Yeah. It's not, what it's I mean, not being forced. Yeah, what I mean is, <laughs> I know. you know, there are people who just live totally in public. And oh, yeah. unfortunately... Or fortunately, you can choose how much you want to live in public, and and this is a tool to do that. Yes, indeed. So I I thought that was I thought that was interesting when I when I like I said when I first got started, I'm like I I need to I need to skewer this thing. But then the more I thought about it, and as I was writing, I'm like, well, maybe not. Maybe maybe they had me in mind more than I would like to admit.
This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. All the music you love, play ad-free from one of the largest catalogs on the internet. You can listen on your PC, tablet, Xbox, web, smartphone, it doesn't matter, Android, iPhone, Windows Phone, wherever you are, there's a way for you to listen to music. And, of course, you can create playlists and radio stations based on your favorite artists and genres and all of that. You can download music on up to three devices, so when you're on an airplane or you just don't want to use your your data plan, uh, you can continue to listen to music without uh, an internet connection. And right now, we're offering a 30-day free trial to our listeners by going to f5live.tv slash groove. All right. Um, so, obviously, you and I have talked about YouTube for a little while now since they started having their uh, advertising snafu that's caused them some trouble. They had a bunch of advertisers pull out of their non-search products uh, because ads were starting to show up next to content that advertisers did not necessarily agree with. However, um, YouTube didn't exactly have a an out written into their uh, written into their uh, content partner agreements. Well, this week now they do. So there are. A couple of new additions to the monetization guide. Uh, this is not to say that this content is banned from YouTube, uh, but it is banned from being monetized. There are a couple of kinds. Uh, the first is um, uh, inappropriate use of family entertainment characters. So don't create a video in which uh, Mickey Mouse swears and you'll be fine. <laughs> Wait, so you can create a video where you're abusing Disney's intellectual property without their permission, but as long as he doesn't swear, it's okay? No. Well, so if it if it falls in line with uh, anything fair use, right? So anything that falls under parody, um, it does not legally infringe on intellectual property. But right. don't put them into any suggestive situations. Don't take them outside of, out of their... Family content context is the word I meant. Um, I see. And you can continue to monetize it. Now, if you're actually infringing, then no. Uh, then the content will go away altogether. Um, the the second is uh, quote unquote hateful content, which YouTube actually describes, saying it's any content that promotes discrimination or disparages or humiliates an individual an individual or group of people on the basis of long list of thing, right? Um, the third one, however, and that one's very specific, right? There's, there's a very specific, you know, veteran status or gender or, you know, whatever. The third one, very open to interpretation, and my guess is on purpose. Um, it says um, incendiary and demeaning content. And uh, it is left vague on purpose so that they can define on the spot what is incendiary, right? So when when Verizon says we can't have our content next, our, our advertising next to this content, YouTube can say it's incendiary and pull it, pull the monetization for that video so that they don't lose Verizon as a sponsor, which 
seems like a good stopgap solution to the the problem that they are currently in, uh, which is trying to win back the Verizons and AT&Ts and uh, a long list of other advertisers that went away from everything but search. Well, you know, they got to do what they got to do, right? I mean, YouTube is not a... Uh... It's not a public utility. Mm-hmm. It's not a free. This this is one of the problems with Google, right? Like people treat it like it's a public utility, right? But it's but it's a private business, right? So and they're in business to make money. So you know you don't have a right to free speech on YouTube, right? Uh, YouTube is a server is a service that belongs to Google, and Google can decide what goes there. How, so how, when, and why? So, and they pay for it through advertising. Right. And the advertisers are going to have influence over that. Because, so, because as you and I both know, uh, video content is not inexpensive to host. No. So, so I, I, I understand, uh, you, I understand Google and YouTube's position here completely. Like, you know, every company I work for in publishing has, you know, has to deal with advertisers mm-hmm. and, you know, when you have things that are user submitted content, advertisers get nervous. Um, you know, that's why it's, it's usually much, much harder for somebody to sell advertising, for example, on a forum right. than it is on editorial content, like yeah. articles that people yeah. write. So, um, you know, cause advertisers want to know what their ads are appearing next to. Yep. So yeah, you know, um, they're doing what they got to do. Of course, all these things kind of beg the question of like, it, of all the things that people are using on the internet and treating like a public utility, be it Google search, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, um, you know, all Instagram, all these services that people use as if they were like a public utility rather than a private business, you know, is, um, you know, you, there is no like free open space on the internet anymore. Or if there is, it's not a place where anybody goes. So, you know, back in the day when I was getting started on the internet, there were things like Usenet news groups. Mm-hmm. There's complete wild west. Those were not owned by a company. They were shared through sort of shared bunch of servers and, you know, or IRC chat. Um, so things like that were, were kind of open, open, but, you know, there's no open standard. There's no open as far as I know, open YouTube. And if there was, nobody's going to it. Right. So, you know, so you gotta, you gotta live with what the people who run the service say these things, you know, does call attention to like at a certain point, if companies are policing the speech a little bit uh, too much, is there going to be something that rises up for people where there isn't a traffic cop? But it seems like maybe people want a traffic cop anyway, like not just advertisers, but uh, but consumers like, yeah. you know, they have all these things that are marked for kids on YouTube. Right. Right. So they want a traffic cop. And on Twitter, isn't that what everybody's always talking about? Well, when is Twitter going to police itself? When yep. is Twitter going to be a better traffic cop? Right. So, you know, people want these businesses to police the speech um, that's on that's on their on their network. Um, but it, it, to me, it raises the question of at what point, at what point will it cross the line? Mm -hmm. 
you know, although who sets the line anyway, but at what point will it become something where it's like, Hey, wait a second. I wanted to say this political thing and you two doesn't like it. So right. now all of a sudden I can't, or I wanted to say this thing about this product, but this person, but the product is something that they have an advertiser who pays for. So all of a sudden I can't say it. So, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's legitimate concerns about where they're going to take it, but, but what they're doing now they have to do for their business and yeah. doesn't seem uh, overly obtrusive to me. Agreed. Yeah. Um, now, you know, when they started to demonetize uh, uh, gun review videos, okay, that's that starts to become a problem. It's just because and a whole product, a whole product category gets demonetized. I I can see where that group of people revolted and YouTube backed away from that rule, you know, and, and you know, YouTube, Google, maybe not, but YouTube tends to respond to, uh, to the community in a pretty quick and usually appropriate way. Not always, but they do seem to respond to the community. If, if people get enraged by something new from YouTube, uh, they tend to back away or at least explain themselves. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't see this one being a problem. This is, this is one where they're trying to keep the servers on. Yeah. So, but, but people should keep an eye. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of, you know, I don't think there's a lot of really great competition out there uh, for YouTube and certainly not something that's like the Wikipedia equivalent where it's run by a nonprofit and it's, it's goal is free speech. So, For sure, there's there, there's live leak, but that's mostly good for uh, Russian traffic accidents, and it <laughs> seems to be about the best you're gonna you're gonna find that. Yeah, I mean, you could always, of course, host your own videos on your own server. Um, so there's that. Indeed, but like like I said earlier, as you and I both know, that's not inexpensive either. So no, it's not inexpensive, and you're not gonna get people to easily viewing it. True. So. Well, that is our show. I almost did it again. I almost said that there is our show. I don't know what it is about that expression that is in my head now. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but whatever. Anyway, um, thank you for joining us. If you joined us live, um, our view count was a little high a little while ago. So for anybody who has joined us live, we appreciate it. We always enjoy uh, having people in the live chat. Uh, if you are joining us via subscription, we appreciate that as well. Uh, you can do that by going to plugkidslive.com slash subscribe. Um, we have some changes coming to the site in the very near future. We've got some uh, uh, new linking structure and stuff that you might see start showing up on uh, like Facebook and Twitter. Um, in fact, if you're following any of our um, collision coverage on Twitter, you might have already noticed that the links look a little different. And uh, we're just trying something out to see uh, if it works. Um, definitely check out our collision coverage. It's been fantastic. Uh, there's a couple of really great, really great interviews. Um, and uh, we've got probably another week of publishing ahead. So I think there's about 20-ish episodes left. So about another week of content. So uh, you can find that on the website, plugitslive.com slash subscribe. Or you can find us, of course, 
um, all over uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Google Plus, basically anywhere you might find content. Um, or you can just real easy, you can go to collision.live and that'll take you to us. So, um, as a reminder, we aren't here next week. We will be back in two with our 10 year anniversary show, which we're very excited about. It'll be episode 470 and, uh, 10 years of doing this. It's, it's, it's crazy that it's been going on for so long. And I have to say, uh, I am very grateful that you came along, Avram. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I that I was grateful to meet you guys and become part of this this really awesome broadcast. I mean, it, it's something I look forward to every week, and I'm very proud of to share with everyone. So it's uh, it's been fantastic for me. Here's to t- here's to ten more. Yes, um, indeed. But, it's uh, it's hard to believe it all started because you sat down with not a MacBook. <laughs> Oh, uh, we could tell that story at the end. Absolutely, show. yeah. We will tell we will tell that story in two weeks. Uh, anyway, so uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram, and we will see you back in two weeks for our ten year anniversary. Ciao. <laughs>